Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, well, the only question I have as we start the program today is I was only gone three weeks and there's riots all over the country. I mean, how did you guys, what did you guys do while I was gone on vacation? Uh, we lit a fire in the backyard. <laughs> How is it that I Roasted walk away smarts, just for had a, party. a few days and there's trouble everywhere? I mean, how does that work? Well, we're just glad you're back. <laughs> uh, Josh, Russ is speechless. He doesn't even know what to say I, to the I, I, nonsense. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, um, did you guys figure out all the problems between uh, – or did you guys resolve all the problems of church and state that while I was gone? Our strategy was basically this. So what we did is we talked for you. So what we said is, this is what Josh would say. <laughs> this is what Josh thinks. This is what Josh would um, Is that why I'm artic- getting all the hate mail right yeah, now? That's yes, right. Yes. So we didn't articulate any positions. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we- And I think it's still a good strategy. <laughs> Phil, I thought... I thought uh, leaving you in charge was going to be okay while I was gone. This was Phil's idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it was all my idea. <laughs> and uh, but we were, we very seriously we're we're glad to have you back, Josh. Well, I, we, we missed you. I missed you guys too. So we are going over. Russ, you found some popular questions uh, that Christians are asking. Uh, I would say these are questions that people probably ask of every age, not just in our only contemporary situation. And our goal is kind of to walk through these together. Yeah, just a potpourri of different questions, no organization on them. Yep, yep. So let's begin. So the good news is that if there's a question that we're answering that you are like, I don't have that much interest in it, um, five minutes later we'll be talking about another question that's completely (laughs) on a different topic. If we're lucky, we'll get to another question five minutes (laughs) later. I don't know. There's a lot of hot air in here today, so we'll see. All right, so here is the first question. Um, when a person dies, where does his or her spirit and body go until the second coming? I think this is one of the most misunderstood concepts, um, quite honestly, with regard to what happens after somebody dies. You often go to funerals and people will talk about their loved one is now up in heaven playing golf or their loved one is um, now in the arms of Jesus and all of these these things. Um, but I think what the Bible teaches is that when a person dies, their body goes into the into the ground, and um, just like any other living thing that dies, it will decompose and um, will remain there. But their spirit goes to heaven or to hell. I mean, so there is a a point um, of a, the separation of body and and soul, and I I believe that's what Paul is writing about in Second Corinthians four. Um, and into into five really, that at death there's this separation. Body and soul will be reunited, 
only in the second coming of Jesus Christ. That, um, and this is this is something that we're going to be looking forward to. Mm-hmm. But the the reassuring part is that, um, as as Paul would say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The dying thief on the on the cross was told by uh, the Lord, "This day you will be with me in paradise," and that's not a small thing. That's it. That's a reality. We all the way, and this is not just New Testament stuff. I mean, you know, the psalm that so many people went read at a funeral, Psalm twenty three, and it, you know, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, what's better than forever? The resurrection awaits, the resurrection of the body uh, awaits, but we are actually with the Lord, you know, upon death. You know, the last day on earth becomes the best day because it, because for the believer because he enters into the very presence of God. Amen. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely. As, uh, as I once uh, heard, uh, it happened to be in a funeral in an Af- African-American church, and the pastor uh, said he said good night to us, and he's saying good morning to Jesus, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely true. And but we await. Uh, this is what um, is so important to understand that we are awaiting our resurrection uh, that is promised when soul and body will be reunited, but not the old body. I, I frankly, guys, I'm 64 years old. I don't want this one back. Um. I'm, I'm, the promise is I'm going to get a new transformed body. Amen. And uh, it's going to be of a, on an order of an existence that we can't even understand now. Uh, it, but the, the New Testament, the Bible, does not teach the eternal life of disembodied souls. Mm-hmm. Right. It teaches a new heaven and a new earth and uh, new bodies. And for, there's important things about that. It does, you know. I mean, the Gnostics believe that the body was evil and the spirit was good, and yes. so, and no, we're reminded that uh, the body is good. God has a plan for that, and uh, you know that that resurrection body is going to be recognizable in some way, you know, corresponding to who we are, because we know that because of the resurrection of Jesus, He was recognized. Yeah, you know, he was. In fact, he, you know, to some degree, you know, he still bears the wounds <laughs> in his body. That doesn't mean that we, um, you know, there are people like uh, you know Joni Erickson who are looking for that day when she's out of the wheelchair and yes. in the presence of God in a in a, a body that can uh, rejoice before Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's what we're looking for. Amen. But I think there's this, I, we just have to continue to understand the corporate nature of the resurrection. Yes. Um, I've heard it said once that Jesus will not receive his bride in parts. So we don't die and instantaneously have body and soul up in heaven. Right. Um, this is what the end of Hebrews 11 will say, that in all these, these saints talked about in chapter 11, though commended through their... Th- through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The resurrection happens all at one time, Hmm. and the bride of Christ comes into the presence of Christ as one body. Yes, And there's just so much individualism today that makes us want to say some goofy things um, at funerals and such. Yes, Our spirit is in the presence of God, 
But 2 Corinthians 5 would say that, that it's like somebody that's unclothed, that it's longing to be clothed. It's mm-hmm. longing to have its body return with it. Um, and that awaits yeah. for the final day of the resurrection of all. Well, and, and Paul talks about that final day in 1 Corinthians 15. And there's a very important verse that I really like to emphasize. And I'm in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. Well, f- let me read verse 50 because he talks about that clothing. Paul talks about that, that clothing that you're talking about. He said, I tell you this, brothers. I mean, once again, I'm in 1 Corinthians 15, 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And he's talking about being clothed as the, the previous image in this, in this new body. And then verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, transformed. But the part that I really want to emphasize in this moment, Paul is talking about the day of resurrection, that day that is coming in the future. And uh, you're absolutely right, Russ. It's not an individual thing. The whole church is going to be raised, and the, the bride of Christ together is, is going to meet our Savior. But the phrase I really want to underline at this moment, at the beginning of verse 51, Paul said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. Paul did not say, behold, I spell it all out so that you will understand everything without a single question. That's right. <laughs> he's telling us a mystery. He's, he's glimpsed this. God has given him a glimpse of it. And he's going to pass it along to us. But mystery will remain. We, we can't answer every question about that day. We, we have just enough light to, to give us a, a very firm hope. Uh, but we do, we, there's mystery here. We don't answer, we can't answer every question. Yeah. The only thing I want to add to this conversation is just, uh, we, we have 50 questions in front of us of the most popular questions out there today regarding Christendom. Now we all come from traditions that have catechisms and most of these questions will be answered in the catechism. So I would just encourage you, if you're unfamiliar with catechisms, you can go to the shorter catechism or the Heidelberg catechism and it will absolutely delight you in the types of basic theological questions. When that you refer to the answer. shorter catechism, you're referring to the Westminster, Westminster shorter catechism. Correct. Yep, yep. And so, for instance, uh, question 37 of the Westminster shorter catechism says, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? Answer, the souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory and their bodies, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves until the resurrection. And the benefit of these catechisms is they'll give you footnotes for the scripture, so you can immediately look up where this answer is found in the Bible. There's a really good uh, contemporary catechism, too, the New New City Catechism. It's very good. Yes. You can Google it, there fi- find it online. 52 yep. questions and answers there. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so second question. So we did really good. It only took us 11 minutes to answer one question. Good work. All right, second question. So you guys just have three minutes on this. Has Satan been given dominion over the earth until Jesus returns? If so, why was he given this authority? Answer no. (laughs) Uh, Short answer. Uh, Although although we do have an implacable enemy, um, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, uh, you know, these... 
um, cosmic powers and the present darkness. But in in terms of he's on a he's on a short reign. Um, you know, uh, Jesus said he came to earth to destroy the works of the devil. He's done that by. Uh, uh, you know, triumphing over him on the cross, uh, and uh, you know the his end is sure. Yes, he does uh, tempt. He's the accuser of the brothers. He does all these things, but he's he's his power is limited. Just like in the book of Job, God said, uh, "This far, no further." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with regard to Job. Yeah. Uh, he still does that. Um, Satan can't do anything apart from God uh, permitting those things. Yeah, uh, we are, as Christians, we are not Manichaeans. There, there's an ancient religion, the Manichaeans, who believe that there's a, there's a God and an anti-God, and they're basically equal. And there's, there's a good God and there's an evil God, and they're constantly fighting with each other. That's not Christianity. No, nowhere does, you know, Satan is a fallen angel. He is not. Uh, you know, he's a, he's, he's a bug compared to God. And, of course, the New Testament does say he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, but John Calvin made a great observation about that, that, yes, he does prowl about like a roaring lion, but he has a bit in his mouth. And God holds the reins. So turn to God. Satan, Satan is under God's thumb. Amen. If you want to look, uh, so both... Phil and Jonathan uh, talked about The Sovereignty of God. Great book by A.W. Pink called The Sovereignty of God. One of the best books in terms of understanding God's dominion on earth. And I think he has a section there about Satan and demons and, and God's control over them as well. Well, show went by so fast. Good to see you guys again. We will see you next time on The Gospel for Life. 